Are you sitting in your practice right now and trying to think about ways to stay competitive in your marketplace? Or are you scratching your head on some ideas of how to turn some of those new patients into lifelong patients? Well, you're not going to want to miss this episode of ADOM Radio with Fred Joyle from Futuredonics. Stay tuned. Welcome, everybody, to ADOM Radio, the podcast for dental managers. I'm your host, John Stamper, and thanks for joining us. Guess what? ADOM Radio is now on Spotify. Check it out. Chilling out on the weekend, listen to some great tunes with friends and family. Be sure to check out ADOM Radio and download the latest podcast on Spotify. So who is Futuredonics? Well, office managers nationwide rely on their 1-800-DENTIST program to keep their schedules full with well-qualified, pre-screened new patients. They're fast and easy, and they help you save time and grow your production. Try them. You will love the convenience. All right, so today's guest, Fred Joyle. So he is recognized as the leading authority on dental practice marketing. He is best known for co-founding Futuredonics, the parent company of 1-800-DENTIST and Dentistry.com. He was named one of the top 10 dental pros in social media. He is also the author of two bestsellers, Becoming Remarkable, Creating a Dental Practice Everyone Talks About, and Everything is Marketing, The Ultimate Strategy for Dental Practice Growth. He blogs on the state of the dental industry at goaskfred.com, and Adom Radio and Future Donics is very excited to bring to you today on this episode, Fred Joyle. What's going on, ADOM Radio Nation? Very excited to be with you here for another episode of ADOM Radio and super pumped for not only today's podcast, but today's guest. And we have with us Fred Joyle, who many of you in ADOM know. He was certainly uh, as recent as last year at the at the ADOM conference. Um, awesome stuff Fred always brings to the ADOM team. And Today's podcast, we're going to get into some real relevant stuff, navigating change uh, and how to transform your practice, quite frankly, without losing your mind. So I love the title. And Fred, it's so awesome to have you on ADOM Radio. How are you doing? I'm doing great, John. And it is always fun to be talking to the ADOM crowd. It's, it's my favorite show of the year. Uh, and I've only missed one in the course of their entire history. So uh they're, I feel like they're, they're my people in many ways. So it's, it's great to be talking to you and talking to them about this really important topic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting. Over the last, I'd say, four to six months uh, on ADOM Radio, we've, we've touched on a lot of different uh, companies and topics and things like that that, that we certainly thought was relevant to, to a lot of the, uh, the uh, practice managers uh, however, what I think is so interesting about this episode is that I think some of the things you're going to touch on today are probably some of the things that are going on in a lot of their minds uh, that maybe you're going to be able to help them provide some direction, especially with all the changes that are going on in dentistry. And certainly we couldn't think of a better person to come on and and share your insight on that. So before we get started real quick, everybody, just a little bit about what we're going to go over today. Certainly we're going to um, help all of you understand that the business of dentistry is in such a state of transition and those practices that can adapt to some of the newer realities are the ones that are going to flourish. And so Fred's going to touch on that. Uh, talking about some of the latest consumer trends, uh, providing somewhat of a blueprint for assessing the practice and the areas that 
will require change to stay competitive. Talking about the importance of detailed reporting, and he's going to go over some examples, and then certainly um, how to identify those growth opportunities when you look at the local competition. So that's what we're going to touch on today. And Fred, again, he's such a familiar person with ADOM, but share a little bit about some of the exciting things that, that you're working on right now and a little bit about where you are. Well, uh, you know, I've, I've written a couple of books over the years, Everything is Marketing and Becoming Remarkable. And, and they're, they're about how to create that great practice and that remarkable patient experience that allows a practice to, to thrive in the, and face the change that's coming up in the next decade or two in, in particular. And, and, and a lot of what's happened is people would say, my team, I want them on board this, but they don't read. So what I did is I, the last thing that I did it, this year was uh, create a video course about creating a remarkable dental practice. And so that's, that was just released about three weeks ago. And so it's, it's a bunch of 20-minute videos that take you from start to finish, from starting with the right mindset to the, of the practice all the way through culture and social media and, uh, and eventually how to advertise successfully and, and track it and measure it. And, uh, and so really excited about this, about the, the value it, it gives everybody. And, of course, the other interesting thing is, uh, 1-800-DENTIST, which is, you know, we were talking, we're going to be talking about navigating change. This is a business that's been around for 33 years. We, for several years, we were part of Densefly Serona. We have been acquired by them. And now we are back out as an independent entity. Uh, so uh, we are navigating a whole lot of change here ourselves as we transform this business model. So lots of exciting stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. Especially like you said, when you're you're going through the change yourself, uh, there certainly yeah. are some some practical things I'm sure that, that that you can touch on, which is great. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's, we live in a, a fast paced world. I mean, and, and the industry is is really you can see it's starting to pick up speed. Dentistry tends to lag behind in terms of change, but there's there's a wave that's coming, and I'm I'm really trying to help dentists get on top of that and really surf it rather than be behind it. And, and it's, it's not easy anymore. It's not, there's a lot of things going on that uh, are coming along sort of unexpectedly and from how patients communicate to uh, you know, all the things happening in social media and advertising and in patient behavior, the consumer, the dental consumer is changing a lot. So tons of stuff going on. So, I thought maybe where we would start is uh, exactly what you said. And, and I think everybody's saying it and hearing it that the business of dentistry is in a state of transition. Everybody knows it. Uh, it's easy to think at a very, very high level. But I know what we wanted to do today is even get into some of those practical things, things that are really uh, real for a, for a practice and for a lot of the, the, the dental managers out there. So let's maybe start there. You know, what you're seeing and I think maybe some ideas on how they can adapt to some of these new realities. Well, I mean, and of course the biggest change is the, the corporate dentistry, the, the expansion of group practices. I mean, at Heartland Dental, which is the biggest of them, will have a thousand practices by the end of this year. Uh, that's, that's an enormous shift in the, the business model of dentistry for a lot of people. And it's the fastest growing segment 
And these are people who run businesses really well. Uh, and they also, they have done, and they have the capability of accommodating the consumer in different ways. For example, they have more expanded hours. They pretty much take every insurance plan or they've, they've created different models that are doing, some are doing state aid, some are doing, you know, uh, full P HMO and PPO in their practice. And then some of them are primarily fee for service even, but they're, they're creating a competitive challenge to, a, to dental practices that have always operated the same way for 10, 20, 30 years. So that's driving the need for change. And then there's technology that's driving the need for change. And it's inside the practice and outside the practice in terms of how people are using devices to gather and share information, find businesses, uh, appoint with businesses, all of that stuff. So the, the, the two big factors I see is the, the influence of technology on everything, including dentistry, and the influence of corporate dentistry on how you either need a strategy to compete effectively with corporate dentistry or a strategy to participate. I don't believe there will eventually be a door number three where you can ignore and not change. That's why right. we're talking about navigating change. It's the, that, this is the primary navigating factor is you've got you've to decide which way you're going to go uh, and so you can thrive. Right. And so as we think about change and we think about a lot of different areas, like you touched on technology, what's going on with corporate dentistry, what have you, you know, you're, you're a dental manager, you're sitting in your practice, uh, you love your doctors, you love your team, uh, you've built great relationships with your patients in your community, but you know, you're hearing this word, you're like, I know we've done good to this point, but we need to move forward in some form or fashion. What are a couple of ideas, Fred? You know, I mean, if we had to, I mean, certainly there's a lot of things that could be done, but you know, from your perspective, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time and understand both the dentistry side as well as the consumer marketplace. Talk a little bit about that, you know, with an office manager sitting there saying, I really want to move this practice forward for my doctor and, and, and what are some things I could, I could do? Well, and let's talk about like a, a, a totally narrow focus because a lot of it is that. It's just what do I, where can I put my attention that would make some difference? And one of the ways you could do it is just put your attention on, a, on generating a steady stream of Yelp reviews, five-star Yelp reviews for the practice. So you've got one a week coming in, and you've got 50, 60, 70 reviews on Yelp. And what happens is you will rise up on Yelp, and there's enough consumers out there reading these reviews and then just calling your practice. Now, whether or not you advertise on Yelp, that, that's a different marketing decision. But if you focus the team's attention and say, look, every week we're going to get at least one Yelp review and we're going to ask people to do it. Now, you may want to run two tracks. You may run Google reviews and Yelp reviews. But if you put your attention on it, it's, all that is is acknowledging that we live in that world where people read reviews before they do stuff. Right. You know, I, I didn't do it at all before, but I, I do it for virtually everything now. Um, yes. I want to see what somebody else thinks about this, this thing I'm buying on Amazon or this book I'm about to read or this restaurant I'm going to go to or this dentist in this new town that I just moved to. Yeah, it's, 
it's so funny you say that just recently this past weekend actually uh, it's not a dental practice but to your point it, it was a restaurant and uh, my wife and the kids went there for the first time and we had heard how good the food was and as we sat there 15 minutes 20 minutes 30 minutes 50 minutes later we didn't get our food we obviously were very frustrated. And the first place that I went, Fred, was to Yelp, right? I was like, I yep. want to see, has anybody else had the same experience that I did? Or was this kind of a unique day? Certainly wanted to give some consideration to the, to the, to the business. But it was the first place I went because I knew, to your point, that that information is there now and, and people can lean on that. Well, and, and people are skilled at discerning the relevant reviews from the irrelevant reviews, from the crackpot, cranky person to uh, the the uh, the person who actually has an insightful thing to say and sort of has a balanced perspective. Because that's I have that when I read uh, Amazon, I read about what people thought about books because I look sort of at the star rating, but I want to read what they say because if somebody says plot was too complicated. This guy uses a lot of big words and, you know, like it's just confusing as heck. And it's, you know, like I'm looking for something simpler. It's like, wow, that kind of sounds like a book I want to read, you know, and this guy's giving it one star, but he's telling me that, that this is my kind of book. So people are the same way when they read about doctors and dentists, they know that, that you know, what they really care about is, does this, is this dentist going to be somebody I can trust? Is it, is it, is it, I'm going to, am I going to feel comfortable there? Am, am I going to, you know, if, if are they going to take my insurance, but also are they going to take care of me and my family? Am I, am I not going to want to switch? Cause people hate switching dentists. It's like right. the fine one at stay as long as they live there, you know, uh, it's not an easy choice. I mean, 800 dentists was built on the fact that people moved and didn't know how to pick a dentist when they got to the new area or their dentist retired or, or, or whatever in and, and the town that they lived in and they just didn't know where to go next. So it's, it's a hard choice and other people's opinions matter. Complete strangers' opinions matter to people. Mm-hmm. So the other thing too uh, that I'm curious about is, you know, when when a practice hears the word, it's getting more competitive, and they, you know, they get more anxious of, well, what do we need to do here? What do we need to do there? I know a lot of times, Fred, people think that it's big changes, right? They have to make, we have to do this, or we have to incorporate this. But I'm sure, as you've seen over the years, talk a little bit about the little things that practices that are doing a really good job. And I know the Yelp example was just one example, but. Maybe some of the little things that you see that dental teams that are growing and, and are staying on top of their game are doing versus some of these big changes that people think they have to make. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of them are, get a little technical and, and take some real adaptation. But if you just decided, like, look, we are going to have an incredibly strong front desk. We, we, it is going to be staffed with the nicest person we've ever found. Uh, that she's a, a tremendous greeter, she, and she's and she's getting the training so that she knows how to keep people from canceling and to keep that schedule full. I mean, that's really the goal, and it should be the only goal of that person is to make people feel comfortable when they come in, when they leave and do everything she can to keep that schedule full. And everything you do to distract that person is a mistake mm-hmm. in my mind. It's, it's, you're, you're, you're taking their focus away from this most important thing, which is 
doing their best to keep the schedule full. And it, part of it is training. Part of it is personality. And, and so if, if you, again, let's, let's take one thing and decide to fix it, pay a little bit more money, be really vigilant about how you hire for that person. Be, don't just plug the hole because the last person quit. I mean, that's, that's the, the challenge, right? In a dental practice is like, oh my gosh, I need any dental assistant I can find. And that's <laughs> yeah. not what you want to do. That's why, you know, our friend Tanya Lampier, she has dental yep. post as a business. Part of that is, you know, personality testing to see if it's the right personality. And then also what are their culture and core values? What kind of practice are they expecting to work at or where do they think they'll fit? Because if that doesn't work, you know, the, one of the things that Google figured out with massive amounts of data analysis about hiring and training and, and all of those factors that the personality factors and everything, they said, number one factor, how well does that person work as a member of a team? And I think that's incredibly true for dental practice where you're between five and 15 people. That's a really small group of people. Everybody's got to be pulling in the same direction. No matter what size business you have, you want that but it's a must-have in a dental practice. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's interesting here, here hearing you talk about this, it's, it, again, it, it always, for some reason, Fred, it always feels like it comes back to the basics, except uh, it's more magnified, like you said, because of the pace of change, right? It's yeah. uh, it's not a lot of big, th- I mean, certainly, like you said, there are some big things you can do, whether it be, you know, figure out ways to, build on build more operatories or bring in more digital into your practice. I mean, those are obviously all great things, but it does seem like when things get more competitive, just that magnifying glass shows the little things that are not getting done. Like you said, focusing on the right people at the front, which, you know, I'm sure people hear this and they're like, well, yeah, I mean, that's a basic thing, but how many practices uh, really are putting focus on that? Or like you said, not getting distracted by the other things and then you've got these practices that just kind of crank along and they're, they're making great headway. They're serving patients. They're growing. And when you try to figure out what the secret sauce is, it's basic things like that. They're just doing it better. Yeah, well, and, and, and the indicator of that is if every practice that I know, whether it's an individual practice or a, a group practice, 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 offices, when they outsource the front desk when they basically remove it from inside their practice and make it some other company's job that that's all they do is they know how to keep the schedule full they know how to take a new patient and get them in the office and answer the right questions without over diagnosing or repelling them or getting too quick into money or any of those things that naturally repel patients and they know how to keep the schedule full by answering uh, the phone 100% of the time when it rings and also not letting people off the hook when they want to cancel right away or having a list of people to call immediately to fill that profi uh, appointment that just popped open. When that's all they do, these practices, their production all goes up uh, automatically. And, 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 and they don't have to worry about hiring that person because the number one complaint about that dentists have is, you know, I get somebody really great at the front desk and then she leaves. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, of course, you're paying her $22,000 a year. What did you right. expect? Right. You know, uh, right. you know, almost anything will take her away, you know? Sure. sure. So, uh, 
And, and so the, the indicator that this is a major pain point in a practice and, a, and an, an impediment to production is that, is that whenever anybody outsources it to, to professionally done, it pays for itself it, because it costs exactly the same as the salary would, except that the production goes up uh, in, in the office. So these, it's, it's one thing that you change. It's just you know, pick the right thing and change it. You know, don't, don't get, don't get all excited about, Oh, I'm going to take this high end implant course and it'll allow me to do, you know, uh, 32 restorations in an hour and a half. Like, yeah, that's not going to come up that much. What's going right. to come up is crown and bridge uh, over and over and over again that you have to do as efficiently as possible and that the patient has to trust you when you recommend doing it. Uh, and they got to feel comfortable in the practice. I'll give you, uh, I know I'm ranting here, but that's what I do. It's like, I'm, I'm so passionate about solving these problems uh, in, in the simplest of ways or just in, in doing something differently. Good friend of mine, you know what his number one practice marketing trick is? What? Service dog. Okay. He has a dog in the practice and the number of people that are so grateful about having this dog on their lap while he's working on them is astounding. And it's, he's, the dog has his own Instagram page. Okay. <laughs> that's how, that's how much influence this has on the practice. And what, and of course, we know that to make social media work, you got to have something to talk about. So right. what's different? What's unique? What's, what's appealing? And it's like, of course, there's, not everybody wants a dog in their lap. Not everybody wants a dog in the operatory. So you say, let us know if you have an issue about the dog. We, we, we always have a room where we put the dog if it, if it bothers the patient. But he said the number of patients that say that is so nominal that it's not even a consideration. Most of them just they're, they're, they walk in the office and say a casual hi to him and then say, where's Steve? Okay. So that's, that's, that's the thing. It's like when you just decide to do something else that of course would appeal to a lot of people, why not try it right. and see what it does? He says, I'm kind of happy too. I got Steve right there watching me with my handpiece. It's like he's, he's inspecting my work, you know? <laughs> Uh, but, but dogs are funny like that. He says, and it's gotta be the right kind of dog. Of course he says, but dog, certain types of dogs like responsibility. He says, when he takes Steve home, he, Steve's not affectionate and playful anymore. Steve's like, all right, I've had a full day's work. I need a break here. I just need to relax. <laughs> you know, it's, it's hilarious, but that's, that's what you can do. Uh, you know, if you just say, what, what can I do that would be patient focused that would make that difference and whatever it is try it out see what happens see and see if there's a story there if there's a reaction there if there's and it's and you know what what are you looking for you're looking for fun you're looking for comfort you're looking for uniqueness so whatever that can be you know, whatever type of practice you're running, think about how you do that. It's not just about the clinical stuff. You have to be great at the clinical stuff, right. but 
that's not what they're coming. They're not lining up for that outside the door. So it's almost like that's become a given, right? It used to be that was, and, and I don't know this, you know, more than I do, uh, could have been the, the, the differentiating factor, right? Was the, was the clinical, I went here and, and the way that I was handled clinically was certainly very important. And that was that confidence and that credibility. Now it seems like that's, that's a given with all the newer technologies and the training that's out there, uh, that better be done right. It's these other things, right, Fred? It's these, these, these intangibles uh, that were always there as well that is just, um, like you said, you know, becoming different, just like any other business has to do, right? Just like every other yeah. restaurant in a community or what have you, it's uh, unique and, and being different. Yeah, I mean, look at Coca-Cola. That, that's, it's been sugar water for 120 years, right? <laughs> and somebody says, you know what we can do now with new technology? We, we can put individual people's names on the bottles. And, so, you know, some old executive probably went, that's the craziest thing I ever heard. And then some <laughs> other manager said, yeah, but let's try it. Yep. And, of course, it's a raging success. Yep. Right? Yep. For, for more of the same, sugar water in a bottle. But what has it got? It's got my name on the bottle. Or I sent a case of this Coca-Cola with my girlfriend's name on it to her house or something like that. You know, right. uh, it's, it's so every, everybody's trying to say, what, how does technology make it possible for me to do something better for the patients more uniquely? You know, another thing you can do is, is just basically have your schedule online so that people are making and changing appointments pretty much themselves. I, you know, I know a practice doesn't in Tennessee, fabulous practice doesn't have a front desk person, has a kiosk. He says, nobody ever waits in this office. Most of the time we start on them when they walk in, even if they're five or 10 minutes early. <laughs> he says, we are totally prepared to take them. We build all of these gaps around the time so that we're always running on time. They, there, is, there is no reception area. There is a check-in kiosk and it tells them what room to go to. And all of that appointment stuff has all been handled behind the scenes, either electronically or for somebody in the back office. Uh, you know, what, what do people say? They go like, oh, this is great. They, they don't, this, this new generation is not really interested in the five stages of everything that we do, right? They want one <laughs> stage. Of, you know, it's like if there's three things they have to do on a website, they're gone. It's, it's too many pages. I can't, it's like three pages. I can't do it. I, it's too much. It's overwhelming. I, I get something. It's got to be faster. You know? Right. Yep. yep. You know, we, I mean, I stand at the ATM and it's like, what's taking so long? You know, it's like it takes like 15 seconds to get money. And, but, but, you know, like because I'm actually waiting, it's in my mind, you know, right. I used to, I'm, I'm so old, right? I used to, if I didn't get any money by Friday, I didn't have any money till Monday because I had to wait in line at the bank to cash my paycheck with everybody else and, <laughs> and get the deposit it and get 200 bucks back, you know? So, yeah. uh, but now it's, oh, it's what, what the heck is with this machine? It's, I got to keep pushing buttons and I just give me the money, you know? Yeah. So, well, and, instant and gratification I, is too slow, right? As it, they say. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I think about this all the time, Fred, it's, I think it's easy, you know, for those of us that maybe have straddled that generation where we appreciate the speed, we realize it, you know, we've had to do that in our own businesses, but we also value 
waiting, or as we share to a lot of people, be patient, it's good for you, and so on and so forth, which we know there's there's value in both of those. But I keep coming back to this all the time that to your point, when it comes to the consumer experience, uh, that doesn't, it doesn't matter. Once that standard has been set, you know, yes, people become patient, but a lot of times they're not. And it, it's not, it's not a matter of being rude. I think it's like what you said. The fact of the matter is, is that when there are other options out there, like if I call a practice and I can't get through, uh, it, even if they had the best intentions, I don't know that. Or the fact that I could look up somebody right down the street online, that's where I'm going. And, and, and maybe that practice that I called first actually would do a better job, but because of that first interaction and something getting messed up for whatever it's worth, I'm on to the next. And whether or not people like that speed and the way that's going, it is the way that it is. And so it seems to me it's better to embrace and accept it and figure out how you can be a part of it, like you said, or, um, you know, you can let left Well, and, and convenience is really good marketing. And inconvenience is really bad marketing you know it, it they are there they there's there's an either or here uh and so whatever you can do like how easy is it to communicate with how easy is it to make an appointment how convenient are your hours how easy is it to pay uh you know when do you get the the the, the payment done you know uh it, it, it matters because because I'm a big thing. One of the things I'm always driving home is what's the last thing that happens in the practice? Because that's what they're going to remember. If it's right. arguing about the copay, that's not the good. That's not a good ending. <laughs> so get it done some other time during the transaction if you have to do it. Uh, and and so, but here, but but you know, we're, we're talking about little things. I have this this phrase that I use and you know sometimes it really helps to have something really simple and I it's called adding the frosting it's like and I use it's like you know a muffin is just a muffin but a cupcake is fun because it's got frosting on it right and so it's the same thing where are you where can you add that little bit of sweetness that little touch that little moment that makes the patient go oh that was kind of nice whether it's just knowing their name when they walk in the office, because all, all the practice management softwares can have a picture, right? So you know who that is when they right. walk in. So now it's, hi, Susan, so great to see you. Instead of name, please, you know, <laughs> do you have an appointment? It's like, no, I just wander into dental practices <laughs> like a psycho, you know. <laughs> of course I have an appointment, uh, you know. <laughs> But uh, so it's but again, it's like so if that becomes your mantra, like where everywhere in the office, where can we we add the frosting? And sometimes it's saying little stuff like my, uh, you know, I'll never forget my hygienist when she said we got to do x-rays next time. But, you know, we have digital radiography, so uh, it's it's 80 percent less radiation than the old way. So I wouldn't even worry about it, you know, Uh, and and I, I wasn't worried about radiation. You know, overtly, but I, right. covertly, in, in the back of my mind, I certainly am. And plenty of people are. Plenty of people say, do we need recognition? I don't know if I need x-rays. You know, because all, all they really know is that uh, you threw a lead blanket over them and left the room, right? So it's not nothing, right? So uh, when you say it's 80% less, that's adding the frosting. That's saying, 
look, we went to the trouble to make this a lot safer for you. Mm-hmm. So bring it up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we've touched on some of these little things that people can do and they can incorporate. Let's talk a little bit about the importance of now maybe some detailed reporting or, or how we track that, or if that's the direction that you want to go or what have you of, and talking about some examples of once we've identified what we can do and we feel like, okay, we've got some wins with this, you know, let's, let's track it. Let's, let's find a way to be able to, to identify, you know, what's working and what's not so that we can really, you know, take things to the next level. Yeah. Because I mean, and that's really uh, as, as much as there's all sorts of interesting ideas, you want to track to see what happens. Uh, you know, even, even if it's, uh, you know, like you do Saturday hours and, uh, and it fills up for 90 days, but you have a 30% no-show rate on Saturdays, you say, okay, it worked and it didn't work. Uh, but you got to know those numbers. You can't go anecdotally by anything. Okay, this is my, my rule number one. Do not just ask somebody what they think about it. Do you, what do you, how did 800 dentists work? How did, how does, uh, you know, uh, Yelp work for us? Oh, it's terrible. Oh, it's great. And it's like, it's whatever just happened. That's what they're going to give you. No, look at the numbers that tell you, you know, I have a, a dentist. He tells me, he says, every year I have my team gets together and they say, geez, we really, we think we should drop 800 dentists. And he would run the report and he would say, okay, I paid them $18,000 last year, and we produced $84,000 on the dentistry on those people. We're not quitting. Answer the right. phone, right? But he, they could have talked him out of it. They could have said, oh, it's too much trouble. And he's like, no, it's, that's how we grow our business is by going to the trouble of answering these phones and getting these people in. So you've got to have the numbers. And, and the reporting is all there, but you've got to know what you're looking for. So you're, you're saying, number one, what's my new patient count every, every, uh, and every month? Is, and where is it coming from? Word of mouth. So let's say you're doing some advertising. Word of mouth should always be the number one source of new patients. Or what does that mean? The patient experience is not good. They're not recommending you. So that, if that's the product, if all your patients have to come from advertising, you've you got to fix the experience of the mm-hmm. practice. Otherwise, your, your back door is wider than your front door. People are right. leaving as fast as you can get them in. So understand where every patient's coming from and then measure what they produced short term, like in the, in the first two or three visits, and then on an ongoing basis, are they good long-term patients that are accepting treatment because most people accept treatment not in the first visit and and most of they say the average is 18 months for accepting comprehensive care you know immediate you know simple things they're going to do right away but comprehensive care it takes usually 18 months for them to really wrap their heads around it so measure that too. measure the long-term value of your uh, various patient sources, whatever you're doing. And I, and, and I'm, and my philosophy is do everything that works, track mm-hmm. everything, stay with everything that works and not everything's going to work the same, have a range of what's acceptable to get a new patient. And that, that's a number you should be working with. You say, look, it's worth in this practice. It's worth between, if we pay between a hundred and $400 
for a new patient, that's worth it to us because we're eventually going to produce $1,200, $1,500 on that patient in the first year or two. And then they're going to spend money for the next 15 or 20 years. Right. I'll give you another number that's really important for practices to measure. And they don't think about this a lot. The average age of your patient. Mm-hmm. Because and track it year to year to year. If your patient base continues to age, it means you haven't figured out a way to attract that younger audience. And what's going to happen is your practice is going to age sort of out of existence. Right. Uh, you know, and, and this happens to a lot of practices and they try to sell them. And the, and, and the buyer comes in and goes, look, the average age of your patient base is 53. You know, uh, the, the, where's, where's, where's the young, long-term patient coming from here? Uh, and so it's great if you're going to start to sell a lot of implants to the aging patient base, but not all of them can afford that. So you're, you're, you're going into denture mode for a, a lot of these people. But, but that's, it's just, just something to understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, is my patient base gradually getting older? And, and what's my revenue? You know, a lot of, a lot of dentists, they, they don't have a good handle on their revenue year to year to year to year to year. What's the trend? So if, if you're, you know, if you're losing only, if you don't notice if you lose 2 to 3% of your revenue a year, but in 10 years, you've lost 25% of your practice, mm-hmm. you know, because it, it aggregates. Uh, it, you know, and it, 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 it compounds on itself. So if, if you're not moving up, you will gradually move down and gradually it makes you less valuable. So the, the terminology I use, this, this is a general concept to look at your practice. This is going back to how to look at your practice anyway from, from the outside in. Is it, I use the, the model of, of housing, right? Is If you're selling your house, Putting, about to put it on the market. Is it ready to go to market? Like, is it all painted? Is the landscaping all done? Is all the extra furniture out of the house? It's all clean and, and fresh and nice feeling. It's ready, ready for sale. Whether, and this is your practice, too. Whether you're going to sell it or not. Would it mm-hmm. sell tomorrow? Or is it a fixer-upper? Does it need some work before you would put it on the market? Or would somebody who's buying it go, I'm going to pay a lot less because it's a fixer-upper? Is your where is that where your practice is, or is it a teardown? Would somebody just look at it and go, "I'll take the patients, but I'm just going to bring them to a new facility that I'm going to build myself"? Right. Because that's not a very valuable practice, right? Right. And you've right. seen them out there; they're out there, okay? Yep. Because the dental equipment lasts a long time. You know, you can really, but but eventually, and you know, when we all get in these environments where we're used to them, we don't see the gradual deterioration in them, but other people do. And that's, that's something you have to be thinking about. So all sorts of tracking, really important, do it on a consistent basis, but also where, what state is in your practice? And you always want to be, whether you're going to sell it or not, ready for sale. It's got to feel, because that's, that's what makes, you know what that makes? Your patients turn into buyers. They, they like the feel of that place. So two things. Uh, I love that. Uh, both 
two things from a takeaway perspective is the demographics, right? And you didn't even get into this, but I know you could and talk about it for, we could talk about this before the next week, but people doing different types of marketing campaigns, whether it be to attract new patients or even get more dentistry done with their existing practice and not understanding those demographics and then saying the marketing that I'm doing is not working. When in all reality, like you mentioned, based on the percentage of what your demographics are, that could be a huge impact in regards, right, to, to why it's not working. And, and, and you go through all this work, you do all these new things, and then you get frustrated because that's, that's not working. And the second thing in regards to the analogy of the house, it almost feels like, Fred, that because for years – many dental practices were able to, it's like when somebody, like you said, gets a house and it puts me right in this mindset of, yeah, this may not be the neighborhood I'm going to stay in forever, but at least I'm going to be here for the next five years. Right? So if you had, it almost seems like if you have that mindset as a dental practice, you might do a little bit this year, you might do a little bit next year. And and if it's your own home, that's fine. Right? If you, if you are not going to sell or whatever, but what would happen if for whatever reason, like you said that something did happen unexpectedly and you had to move or you had to transfer. And then all of a sudden you have to sell that, that, that house and it's not where it needs to be. And to your point in today's market in dentistry, it's, it's obviously they're not going to sell it, but like you said, they need to always be thinking about that because that transition period is the competition. And if you're not where you need to be, uh, that's where things move fast. I love those analogies. It was awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great way to just take a, a look at your, you know, a hard, uh, un, uh, objective look at, at where you really are or ask somebody else, you know, if you get, you know, your, your Patterson or your Bento or your shine rep and just say, what compared to your other practice, your other practices you're working with, how's my place rank? And I want the, I want the brutal truth. I want uh, you know, be, be uh, fearlessly candid with me about this. And they may say, you know, this this reception area, it it it's, uh, it could use a little uh, improvement here. It's right. uh, it's a little bit uh, Stone Age for me. You know, it's, it'd, it'd be great if we were shooting a '50s sitcom. This would be perfect, but otherwise, everything's got to go. You know, yeah. Uh, and that's what you need to know. Uh, yeah. A lot of dentists don't even ever walk through reception. They come in the back door. Right. And so right. they don't even get the feel of it. But human beings have sensors that we don't really, we're not conscious of, but we are picking up all sorts of subtle cues from an environment and we'll go, I really like the feel of this place. We say it all the time, right? And what's that based on? It's not based on something you read about the place. It's something, you know, it's lighting, it's colors, it's smells, it's textures, it's, uh, you know, design. All of these things are affecting us subconsciously. And, and why not make that work in your favor? Uh, you know, 10 grand remodels your reception area. 20 grand makes it fantastic, okay? Uh, and, and you know what? You'll make it back in one case because one of your existing patients will decide to suddenly do, uh, you know, a, a full set of veneers just because it, it looks nice in there. Now she feels like she's at Nordstrom's, you know? Uh, it's human beings where, you know, to assume people are making rational decisions is a totally false assumption. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, that's a great segue to kind of this last point that uh, to touch on today, which is how to identify some growth opportunities by assessing the local competition. And you really talked to 
on it a little bit. If you, if you went to another dental practice and saw some of the things that you were talking about, that would certainly be one way to assess kind of where you are, what your opportunities are. But along those lines, let's maybe let's touch a little bit about that and your thoughts on how to identify those growth opportunities by knowing what's going on locally. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're looking at say, uh, you know, one of these group practices, maybe it's branded and they've, they've decided to open up within, you know, four or five blocks, uh, 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 to your office and they accept every single insurance plan and they're open every night till seven thirty or eight and they open at six in the morning and they're open all day Saturday. Uh, so what are you going to do? Uh, one, you're going to, you've got to start testing different hours because they're going to kick your butt just on hours because Convenience is great marketing, right? People, people, this isn't where they want to log extra time. This is at the dental office. So uh, the sooner they can get in and get out, the better. So then the next step is how can I get them in and out faster? How, how about some CEREC? You know, how about CAD CAM technology? Uh, how about doing something that other people don't do? Uh, you know, like, like uh, implants in an hour. Uh, how about creating a, 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 such a comfortable experience? If the other place is, you know, it's a, it's a great practice and it's affordable and they accept all the insurance, but they never see the same doctor twice. You go, okay, I'm going to take, I'm going to take special care to make sure that the dentist greets everyone, calls them to welcome them to the practice if they're a new patient and calls everybody at night that had anesthesia. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you say, I don't need to be, you know, it's, it's, it's look at it like wine, you, you don't Camus or, or silver Oak or, or those guys, they don't have to sell 10 million cases of wine to be happy. They right. got, you know, they're selling it at $150 a bottle or something, you know? So that's who you want to be. You, you can have a, a great dental practice with just eight or 900 patients that you take really good care of do a lot of comprehensive care on because that's what gives them something to talk about and attract new patients. You don't need 5,000 patients. I mean, you may want that if you want a really big practice, but you can have a very successful practice at that size. So you just have to decide how you want to compete, but you just can't ignore all of the trends, you know, that people want insurance to pay for as much as possible that they, they want convenient hours. They want financing. How, the, so many practices do not bring up the financing that they have. And uh, corporate's doing it. And see, corporate does everything. They, have, they take insurance. They process the insurance. They, they have convenient hours. They, they bring up the financing right away. Uh, they do all of these things on a consistent basis, and that's why they're successful. Uh, and if you're not, if you're dabbling in some of these things or not getting to it, it's, you're not being competitive and it's, and don't put something negative around the word competitive. All that means is you're trying to be successful. You're trying to do what the marketplace wants. Right. And so that you can do the dentistry that benefits them and have a successful career doing it. That's all that that means. Don't go, oh, I'm, I'm not competitive by nature. It's like, that doesn't matter. We're not, it's not a foot race. It's, it's effective business operation right. in a changing marketplace. 
And that's what we're really talking about is the change is coming. And you, I'll, I'll throw this word out because it's so important. Adaptability. That is going to be your number one life skill. And it's going to be the number one life skill you want to teach your kids too, because stuff changes faster and faster and faster. Yep. Well, and wouldn't you agree, Fred, that it just seems like once you embrace that and you do become more adaptable, it just seems like as more things change, uh, it doesn't mean that you're not going to take a path this way or that way. Sometimes, like you said, it works and sometimes it doesn't. It just seems like you learn how to move quicker. The more you do it, the more adaptable you are. When you go down a direction, you learn over time. I think a lot of people's fear is that if I if I adapt and go this down um, this direction, I'm going to go so far down this direction. There's no way I'm going to come back, right? Because they're thinking about their past and how long it took them to get to where they are now. But in today's world, if you commit to that, I think what people will realize is that it, when you do have to change again or pivot again, you're that much more apt to do it, and you can do it quicker, and you 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 learn faster the resources are there and 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 one other question i wanted to ask you as well which you know you touched on corporate dentistry is that i am sure and i don't know about the practice that you talked about that has the kiosk uh are, are they a single practice are, are they a part of a corporate group or are they a single practice it's a single practice but he's opening up another office cuz he's doing so well he can't resist right. uh, popping right. up another practice right so i asked that question because uh, there are, as you know, more than anybody, there are a lot of very successful individual practices out there that are not a part of corporate, uh, that are, like you said, doing great by their patients, great in their community, they're excelling. And like you said, if they get to a point where they literally more people are demanding their services, I think a lot of times people don't realize, well, why did this doctor open another practice? Because they can serve more people. And if it's a business opportunity, what have you, it's not always the negative things that people tend to think, but there are practices by themselves that are leveraging these resources, doing a lot of the things that you mentioned and doing very well for themselves without the fear of what's out there as far as corporate dentistry. So I just, I like to make that point because you really brought it to my attention. And I think that people can be successful in their own right, whichever path they choose to go down. Yeah. I mean, just look at when Starbucks first came rolling out, right. And what they did is, is they eventually put a bunch of these little, coffee shops out of business but now what's happened you see a, a whole new wave of these boutique coffee shops popping up everywhere that are saying we're not starbucks we're designer coffee we're you know we're blue bottle we're this you know and and people they they develop their own audience and their and their own customer base because people want different stuff that's the, it's so important to, to say Let's decide who we want to treat and how we want to treat them and then create that experience that makes them want to come to us right. and make sure it's big enough, you know, if, if, you know, but I, I'm, I know dentists that, that you know, that half their practices is a case that takes them all day and they've got an associate that does everything else. I mean, you can, there are, there is a design for great practices. But you just you have to be consciously approaching it and saying, am I in tune with the changes in the marketplace? Am I staying ahead of the wave or I'm waiting or am I letting the wave wash over me and hope I survive? That's, you know, there's there's there will be 50 percent of the practices, let's say, that never enter corporate uh, and 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 thrive. But there will be a whole bunch of them that don't. 
because they didn't adapt at all. They didn't decide that change was it, it was not important, not not necessary yet. Uh, this is this too shall pass or something like that. Or or I'm I'm you know I tell see I hear more dentists say, look, I'm only in this for ten more years. I'm going to say you're going to have nothing to sell in ten years. You're thinking <laughs> of retiring on what you sell your practice for. Nobody's going to pay you anything. Somebody's going to open a practice across the street and take all your pe- all your patients in six months, yes. and you'll you know because you just you you want to work a two and a half day week because you're sixty four or sixty eight or whatever, uh, and and you don't want to add an associate, you don't want to buy CAD CAM technology or cone beam or or do anything because you don't want to invest in a practice for you know in the equipment you're only going to use for three or four years. Guess what? You have nothing to sell. So uh, you're a teardown. Yep. Uh, this is awesome stuff. And before we wrap, I uh, uh, I wanted to take this opportunity while, while we've got you on here to to touch on one thing. I mean, certainly we talked about so many practical things here that we're excited about that we think these practices can can you know hold on to and, and make some some progress. What is one thing you're really excited? I mean, you've seen a lot of things happen in dentistry. And, uh, you know, your, your energy is contagious, but as you look out the next couple of years, uh, would love to have you share with everybody, just your thoughts on that. Just maybe one thing that you're really excited about. Well, I, I think there's a, there's a wave that's moving through the country and it's caused by one company in particular, uh, just like there was a wave that almost 15 or maybe even 20 years ago when Bill Dorfman was on extreme makeover and he just started to make cosmetic dentistry so appealing to people like it, it was an awakening uh and they, and eventually everybody on tv had to have perfect teeth uh i think there's a wave of for whiter the whiter teeth and better looking teeth like veneers has is, is fully realized but this desire for straight teeth is really emerging i mean invisalign is really rolling but there are competitors out there that are doing that are making it so people are very interested in having really straight teeth and i think that the dentists need to be aware that this is this is an increasing desire and some of these things that are out there like these home kits and stuff like that the number of patients that can actually use a boil and bite orthodontic kit is is you know five percent maybe but right. w- whatever it is, it's a tiny fraction of the number of people who want who actually decide to straighten their teeth. It's just like when they whiten their teeth and they would go, wow, that didn't make much difference. And the dentist says, that's because you need veneers. Right? I can't whiten <laughs> these things. You're getting a multicolored result because of the nature of your teeth and the deterioration of them and everything. So right. it, it just it doesn't end. It doesn't shrink the business. It expands it. So. You know, when you use something like cone beam technology, all of a sudden invisible aligners for your teeth becomes an easy thing for the practice. And it's, and it's, you know, that three dimension, you know, I heard Steve Thorne say this, and he's one of the heads of a a group practice. And he said, dentistry is moving from two dimensional to three dimensional. And that's, that's a wave you need to stay on. Understand that that information is so valuable in so many ways have about your patient so to be to so that's what excites me is 
is this transformation of, of information that can help people to have straighter teeth, which is also the diagnostics that go with it, get them healthier. You can spot all sorts of things going on and really treat the patient much better. I mean, it allows for much better implant cases. It allows, you know, spotting that oral cancer really early. I mean, I feel like that, this three-dimensional wave and this desire for straight teeth, this is an exciting new dimension that's emerging in, in, a, in an industry that's, that's already growing in appreciation by consumers. So, yeah. I love that. Uh, so Futuredonics, uh, let everybody know how they can learn more about you guys, a, gr- a great place to, to, to find that information and all that good stuff before we, uh, before we close. Yeah, so futuredonics.com is the easiest way to find out about uh, 1-800-DENTIST and what they can do for you. And, of course, if you're interested in my, me lecturing or my video courses, uh, fredjoyle.com. Uh, is a, the ideal place to find out about all of that stuff. And also, if they wanted my video course, uh, I've set up a coupon code for the ADOM listeners, where because the course is $997, $997. I'm giving a $300 discount to anybody who's an ADOM person, listener to, to this podcast. Uh, so they use ADOM, all capital letters, in the coupon code when they go to the to the site where you buy the course. They'll save $300 on the course. So, because awesome. um, I love my ADOM people and I want them, <laughs> and I want them to, you know, get value out of it, to be able to get their whole team on board with the, the thinking that you and I have been talking about and how yeah. to bring those changes. There's actually a whole video on how to effectively bring change into, into a practice or into a, your personal behavior. So uh, ADOM is the coupon code. FredJoyle.com is the website. Futuredonics.com is the website for the whole business. Um, and, you know, I so appreciate what you're doing, John, because you're really stimulating a, a, a broad conversation about dentistry in the industry, and you're really elevating this profession. And that's, that's a great thing that you're doing. So uh, my, my hats off to you. Well, that, that means a lot from you. And, and, and I think what's so exciting about this podcast uh, and this ADOM nation, as you know so very well, Fred, is uh, they want to get better. And I think that's what's been so great about the information that we talked about today, because there is no doubt uh, that people listening to this will be taking action tomorrow <laughs> and even trying new things if, if they work or they don't work. And, and, and again, I think you, you know, talking about your video course and being able to take advantage of that and, and offering that again, coupon code ADOM. Uh, that's, that's what's so fun about this is they're listening, they're taking action and, and they're making dentistry better. So it's a, it's a true, true honor to be a part of this podcast and really enjoyed spending time with you today. So thanks again. Thank you, John. All right. Have a great week. That's a wrap. Hope you enjoyed this episode on ADOM Radio. Two quick things. If you enjoyed it and would love to hear more episodes, head out to iTunes and or Google Play and download ADOM Radio. Go ahead and actually subscribe to the podcast. That way, as we do more episodes, they will come through on your device of choice. Also, I want to encourage you to head out to the ADOM website, dentalmanagers.com. That's dentalmanagers.com. There are so many great resources on there. If you're a member, there's new stuff. You can sign up for the ADOM conference, which is the event of the 
the year, which is in July this year in Orlando, July 18th to the 20th. But also, if you have any colleagues out there that are not ADOM members, they're doing some great things this year with membership. The resources are super abundant, so be sure to check it out. That's dentalmanagers.com, dentalmanagers.com. Thanks for joining us.